from the basement of Wayne and Garth. Excellent. Comes the most high octane. I think I'm gonna pull a chug. Vitamin packed. I'm getting tired of holding this. Sure, that's what she said. Industrial strength. From this height, you could really hock a loogie on someone. Adventure of all time. Hi, Wayne. It's Wayne. It's Garth. It's Wayne's world. We're not mental or anything, so don't be afraid. Rated PG-13. Now playing at theaters everywhere. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. I think you're worthy. Part one of our special two-part Waynestock episode, Wayne's World, begins right now. Back to the Couch Potato Podcast. Uh, with me, as always, is Lucas. Lucas, what's going on, buddy? Well, not always. Uh, well, yeah, I was going to um, say. I am, I am on a streak now. Yeah, it's three in a row now, man. It's, it's almost like you're, you're getting back into things almost like i'm a regular right it's like almost like when we started <laughs> i'm doing good though russ how you doing buddy i'm i'm doing well man um this week's episode uh kind of i think this is kind of one that uh for me and you because we're both yeah. big fans of these movies and uh we're actually we, go ahead i was gonna say i think we quote these like constantly i think we do too um we're actually uh, giving you guys a uh, two-part episode. We're doing, uh, we're calling it Wayne Stock still, right? Yep, Wayne Stock. All right, yeah, we're going to give you guys uh, Wayne's World one and two. So this you is going to be lucky bastards. Yeah, for all six of you that listen. <laughs> so we should have our biggest week yet, just because six people have two episodes to listen to this week. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Moving on up. That's right. Um, yeah, this is going to be uh, part one, uh, Wayne's World, which, uh, uh, did you get to see this in movie theaters? I know this is, you're uh, quite a bit younger than I am. Uh, it came out in 92, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I was I was five, so I think the first time I saw this was on HBO. Okay. A few years, you know, later. Yeah. Uh, see, me being a little older, I remember I was here opening weekend for this. Nice. Cause I well I'm a huge Saturday Night Live fan, so when I found out they were doing a Wayne's World movie, I was like, I gotta go. Which is yeah, funny. I, go ahead. Sorry, I, was, I keep interrupting you tonight, buddy. Um, it's okay. I I am a fan of like Saturday Night Live from the older days. Um, not so much, you know, the recent stuff. Yeah, I mean, they've been on a little bit of a roll here the last four or five years. With some stuff, but yeah, like I'm pretty much anything from Will Ferrell back. I love. This is actually probably the uh, Mike Myers era. It's probably my favorite because this is what I actually grew up watching. Um, well, that's good stuff to watch for sure. Yeah, uh, actually, uh, first thing. Uh, well, I tell you what, we'll just go into the tale of tape and then we'll kind of dive in. Uh, a little bit about Saturday Night Live and this being a skit. So uh, we'll just dive right into the tail of the tape here real quick. Uh, Wayne's World, released February 14th, 1992. Uh, directed by Penelope Spiris. Stars Mike Myers, Dana Carvey, Rob Lowe, and Tia Carrere. A Rotten Tomatoes score of 78% from critics and 84% from audiences. Box office was $183 million on a $20 million budget. Which is a lot, a lot, a lot of money. That's for a lot of scratch. A lot of scratch. Yeah. And 
surprisingly, it's not streaming anywhere. I thought for sure this would be on Paramount Plus, but it's not. Neither one of them are. Yeah, that's interesting. So if you guys want to watch the movies before or after you listen to us, you're just going to have to rent them on iTunes. Sorry, I, I don't make the rules. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah. I wish I, I wish I had the power to, it's like, you know what, just put them on there, guys. <laughs> Do it for the fans. What? Yeah, we just did an episode, guys. Why would you not put it on there? Right. Like Paramount Plus should be like, hey, are you doing any of our movies soon? I think we've done enough Paramount movies during our run that they should. We're still waiting on our check. Right. Uh, well, getting back to uh, Saturday Night Live skits, this actually was the second movie based on a Saturday Night Live skit. The first one was the Blues Brothers back in 1980. So I wanted to ask you, where would you rank Wayne's World amongst the Saturday Night Live movies? I think they've done seven or eight of them. Um, so I don't know that I've seen all of them. Um, well, real quick, I'm, they've done The Blues Brothers, Wayne's World, Wayne's World 2, Coneheads, Night at the Roxbury, Superstar, uh, Stuart Smalley Saves His Family, It's Pat, I'm probably missing one, but then they did MacGruber. So I think nine. That was close. Okay, so I've probably seen four or five of them mm-hmm. of the nine. Um, I'd say Wayne's World is probably – it's definitely the one I quote the most, so I'd have to say it's probably my favorite. Um, I know that you are not a big fan of Coneheads, but I am. I really like Coneheads. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I think probably the Wayne's World movies would be one and two and then Coneheads for me. See, you've never seen the Blues Brothers, have you? No, I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I've never seen the whole thing. Yeah, see, I'm a huge Aykroyd and Belushi guy. So I think it's close between Wayne's World 1 and the Blues Brothers for the top. I guess it depends on the mood I'm in. Um, I'm not a huge fan of musicals, and I've always considered the Blues Brothers to be a musical. And it's probably my favorite one. So I would say probably the Blues Brothers just by a smidge over Wayne's World. But by, by, by a cunt here. <laughs> Come on, Lucas. We're better than that. <laughs> no, we're, we're better not. than that. Matter of fact, we should probably cut that out. I don't like it. I want to keep it down. <laughs> well, hey, that's Lucas being vulgar, everybody. Um, But then, yeah, I'd say Wayne's World 2 would be Number three, and I don't know, I'm a huge fan of MacGruber, but outside of those four, I think Saturday Night Live movies have been more missed than hits. Yeah. I don't like Coneheads. I can't stand Night at the Roxbury. I don't think I made it all the way through uh, Stuart Smalley and uh, It's Pat, which I wasn't fans of those skits anyways. Then uh, I, I, I laughed a little bit at Superstar. Uh, the, the, the ladies' man, too, is one, too. I don't know that one. Tim the Meadows. The part where she sticks her fingers, though, in her armpits and sniffs them. Oh, man, it fucking cracked me up. See, those First movies work better that. as skits, though, than movies. Like, I think like, they stretch them out too much, and they shouldn't. They just shouldn't be movies. Yeah. I don't know. Just like The Hobbit should have been one movie. It should have, but we'll save the, our Hobbit discussion for another day. You got it, dude. Captain Vulgarity. <laughs> um. I don't know. I was uh, as I was researching this, um, 
I was kind of looking at the the legacy of Wayne's World. Like, what do you think the legacy of this movie is? Because I have a pretty interesting talking point for it, but I wanted to hear what you had to think first. Uh, well, I think it, you know, really ignited uh, Mike Myers' career. Um, now, I know he was, you know, somewhat of a big deal on Saturday Night Live, but he wasn't the star that he is now or was, um, you know, it, it helped him kick off, um, Austin powers, you know, helped him get Shrek. So, you know, I, I feel like this movie really was a big deal for him. Um, culturally, at least from you and I and Adam producer, Adam, we use a lot of the lines from these movies. So Mm -hmm. I think it's very quotable, which is, which is always an impact, you know, kind of like a, I guess you can't really say a cult hit if it's $180 million, but. No, it's definitely not a cult movie for sure. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think, I think it was culturally significant in, in the, the comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's legacy is kind of, this is like, it kicked off a pretty big run of like the lovable loser comedies that were like so big in the 1990s. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Like, uh, I'm just trying to think, a few years after Wayne's World, you got Ace Ventura, who's kind of a loser. That movie <laughs> became a huge... Well, he was. I mean, he's a pet detective who... I mean, he l- had drives a shit car. And this Tells is Dan Marino big that he's not giving him any more gum because it's none of his goddamn business if he has any more. <laughs> right. Um, Adam Sandler <laughs> takes off in this this era. Uh, then even it starts leading into the Apatow stuff after the late nineties, Mike Myers ends up cultivating this into a, a big career too. So, I mean, I just think it kind of kicked off like that huge era of the, the slacker comedy. Yeah, that's a good point. I have them from time to time. I really didn't go too much in depth about it, but that's kind of just my thoughts on it. Just, and like, I think this was the kickstart and then like, you just start seeing all these SNL guys became huge movie stars. You got uh, Adam Sandler, of course. Uh, Chris Farley was also who's in this movie. Yeah, you got Tommy Boy comes out of that too. So, and I mean, I pretty say, much this is this is the first time Chris Farley was on film, wasn't it? I want to say yes, because he plays the security guard. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, don't quote me on that. But I think it's the first time he was in a movie. Because I don't think he had been a feature performer on Saturday Night Live going into this. I think he was in it, but he wasn't like as prominently featured as he went on to be later on. I miss that dude. He was fucking hilarious. I miss him too. He was so awesome. That's the one we've got to do at some point too is Tommy Boy. <laughs> yeah. All right, well. With that being said, will you uh, want to go ahead and dive into Research Corner? Or do you have Let's another lewd comment to throw in there? Uh, not at the moment, okay. uh, but I'm sure I can come up with something. <laughs> Please don't. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, I thought this was kind of interesting. Um, you know the scene where uh, Wayne decides to buy the, the guitar and mm-hmm. he starts strumming it and it says no stairway? Yeah. 
I guess apparently that was a big thing in uh, British music stores in the 70s. They had signs that said, don't play Stairway to Heaven. They would kick you out or they would fine you money, which I don't see how you could do that. But they would uh, there would be repercussions for playing Stairway to Heaven in a British record store or like a music store. So I know that you play guitar. And Not very well, but I started but yeah. to learn, but... Is that song just so easy to play? Is that why everybody did it? You know, I never mastered that song, so it's extremely difficult for me. But I think it's one of the easier ones, at least the opening. Uh, more polished guitar players, please chime in and let us know if it's as easy as I'm making it sound. But yeah, I never really, I, I never got into it good enough to where I could play Stairway to Heaven. Me either. I, could, I didn't get into it enough to where I learned all the fucking chords. So Right. It's no smoke on the water. Now that one I can play a little bit. <laughs> nice. Um, we'll go more into uh, depth into this uh, scene a little bit later, but uh, Paramount wanted uh, the producers of this movie to use a Guns N' Roses song in the infamous car scene where they play Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, I don't think it would have worked as well. Yeah, no. I, I think this song winds up perfectly. I think Bohemian Rhapsody lines up perfectly with the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, Tia Carrere sings her own songs in this movie. Uh, as, as a matter of fact, uh, two of her songs are in the soundtrack, which is actually a really good early 90s movie soundtrack. Uh, the cover of Ballroom Blitz and then the, I, what's that song called? Uh, Why You Want to Break My Heart, the song she does the music video for. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I don't know if I've ever listened to them, both of those all the way through. Just, you know, seen them on the movie. Uh, I actually dig the Ballroom Blitz cover. It's actually, I heard that one before I actually heard the Ballroom Blitz song. Really? Yeah. Nice. Um, well, I guess that means it did its job then. Right. Introduced that song to a whole new audience. The uh, character of Wayne who's played by Mike Myers, he actually developed that in Second City, which is a famous comedy troupe in Chicago. And Wayne was a solo character. They didn't introduce Garth until Saturday Night Live. Huh. You know, my uh, I was thinking about this as I was watching the movie. Wayne, like my dad, dresses just like Wayne. Like, when I was a kid, my dad had the fucking ripped jeans and the, the ball cap and the the long hair <laughs> pulling out. Yep. Yep. Now, this one I knew, but it I didn't know it for a long time. When this movie came out, I was always fascinated and I was on a I I had to find a Stan Mikita's donuts. But it mm. turns out Stan Mikita's donuts is fake. It's just for the movie. But it's based off the Tim Hortons donut chain. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Tim Horton was actually, and I didn't know this, he was a Hall of Fame hockey player, played 24 seasons in the NHL. I didn't know that either. Which for uh, most of you that live in Chicago or hockey fans, Stan Mikita was a legendary Blackhawks player. He played 21 seasons, I believe, with the Blackhawks. But yeah, Tim Horton, I just thought he was a donut guy. I didn't know he played in the NHL. Yeah, I, I would have never guessed that. Yeah. I wish they would keep the hockey theme with their donuts like i'd order a box of five holes but and they're called timbits instead yeah well that's what happens when burger king buys you and ruins you well they, i think they were called timbits before burger king bought them out 
I'm still gonna blame Burger King. Okay, do whatever you want. I got a vendetta. Okay, I hey, uh, you take that up with the king. <laughs> um. So speaking of the uh, the car scene, uh, we'll go ahead and hop into the I Drink Your Milkshake Award for the best scene of the movie. Well, I ha- I actually had some research. Oh. Well, no one cares. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry, man. No, you're good. Um, so uh, hosting a cable access show was a lifelong dream of Myers. That's why uh, the Wayne's World show was a show within a show. I actually, I wanted to do the same thing after I seen this movie. Was I wanted to Did have you? like my own television show on cable access. I had so many ideas. Like me and friends were like, oh, let's do like a heavy metal video show. Uh like we are going to like do like I'm a fan. It's not really a thing anymore. And it pretty much had died out by the nineties, but there used to be um, these, uh, there's one in Columbus called uh, Fritz, the night owl who I loved. And mm-hmm. I wanted to bring that back. Like he was a guy that uh, used, they used to show movies on uh, the local Columbus uh, CBS affiliate. And what they did was they show movies Fritz would come on. He would give like interesting tidbits or try to be funny, you know, tell jokes, stuff like that. And I kind of wanted to do that too. Well, I mean, you you could always revive that. Although well, Fritz is still around, he still does it. So, well, but he also doesn't have like a top was it five percent in the world podcast like we do. So, just saying. Um. So the. Uh, the hood of the car scene when the airplane's flying over uh, Myers and Carvey improvise that scene. So like all the, all the dialogue on that is improvised. So uh, did you ever find Bugs Bunny attractive when he put on a dress and played a girl bunny? Daniel Carvey just came up with that off the top of his head. Oh, did he? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, Tia Carrere turned down a role on Baywatch to play the love interest in this movie. Oh, really? Which I think is kind of a big deal. Yeah, Baywatch was like the most watched show in the world, I think, at this point. Or it's close to becoming the most watched show in the world. Yeah. Um, and my last one is, uh, though the movie was set in Aurora, uh, Illinois, it was only two of the 34-day shoot were actually shot in Aurora, Illinois. Really? The rest were in L.A., yeah. First time I ever went to Chicago, we actually, we used to take a train into Chicago. We stayed in one of the suburbs. I don't remember which one, but we always went through Aurora on our way to Chicago. I bet that was like a nostalgia thing, too. It was. I was trying to find, like, (laughs) I knew Stan Mikita's wasn't real by then, but I was, like, looking for, like, stuff that, like, maybe the, was that Channel 9? Mm-hmm. television station yeah i was trying to find that just like landmarks from the city and that'd be so cool apparently the library in aurora has like memorabilia from the movies in it really mm-hmm. well i think if you're gonna if you're gonna use a city like that i think the city deserves like some of the memorabilia oh yeah for sure well you want to fight about it <laughs> <laughs> some library coming yeah, some li- like the librarians from the Aurora Public Library. It's like that scene in Anchorman, the the anchors, uh, anchor, the news team fight scene. Yeah, see like <laughs> dudes with a mace and knives and stuff. 
Well, uh, a lot of good facts there, Lucas. I'm sorry I interrupted you, but I think I'm still shaken from your lewd comment from earlier. Oh, geez. <laughs> if, if that's the worst thing you've heard from me, yeah. I'm not doing my job as a friend. It's probably not the worst thing I've heard from you today. <laughs> All right. Uh, now we will dive into the I Drink Your Milkshake Award for the best scene of the movie. Is that Sounds good. Okay. I didn't know if you had anything else. I didn't want to cut you no. off. Nope. We're good. Okay. I think this is the first time you and I have done one, just the two of us, in a little while. So maybe my my rhythm's thrown off. Yeah, we're a little rusty. No pun intended. (laughs) Okay. The I Drink Your Milkshake Award for the best uh, scene in the movie. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. First one I have is the Bohemian Rhapsody sing-along in the car. That's pretty much an iconic movie scene period now. Yeah, everybody. I think if you know this movie, or maybe even if you don't know this movie, you know that scene. Uh, well, first thing, it was my introduction to Queen. I never really like my. I always uh, say my mom's the one that got me into rock music, but I never really heard her listen to much Queen. And the only Queen song I knew was the "We Will Rock You" and the "We Are the Champions." When they they always on the radio, it seemed like they put them together. Mm-hmm. That's really the only time I'd heard Queen. Before this, uh, got a couple fun facts for you about oh, the, the oh, scene. Oh, really? Go go right ahead. Um, Dana Carvey and Mike Myers actually hurt their necks headbanging because mm-hmm. they're apparently a bunch of amateurs. You know, me and you being uh, the metal heads that we are, we we're used to all the headbanging. Oh yeah, like my my neck, I could take a pile driver <laughs> right now and be fine. <laughs> and. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody actually charted higher because of this movie than it did when it was originally released. Uh, it made it to number two in its original run. It made it to number nine. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I had that written in my notes too. Um, you know, what's funny about that is uh, uh, Mike Myers goes on to play the, uh, the record company executive in the movie Bohemian Rhapsody who didn't want them to release that as a single. According to the movie, anyways. Yeah, I saw that. That's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was kind of... Yeah, it just like that scene, though, like, I think it's just like an iconic 90s movie scene, and like you can't hear that song without thinking of that scene, which is... I do every time. Yeah, yeah. every time I hear that song, like, Wayne's World's the first thing that comes to my mind. Um, the second scene that I have is the uh, studio uh, blue screen test. I just kind of dig that because like they're kind of having some fun with it. Like I love the uh, the uh, hey we're in New York. Hey, I got a gun. Let's go to a Broadway show. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course they they end it with uh, hey we're in Delaware. Great, I'm we're in, in Delaware. Delaware. Yeah, that scene always cracks me up. Um, I have the scene in the music store where Wayne actually goes and has the money to buy the guitar. I think I relate to that scene just because, like, being, like, younger, when I, there was stuff that I always wanted to buy and I never had the money to get it. And then, like, when I finally had enough to buy something, just to get that instant gratification, and I could see where he's coming from. Yeah, the, Cause even, uh, when he pulls out the money, cha-ching, cha-ching. Yeah, because he even says earlier, it will be mine. Oh, yes, it will be mine. And then he gets the guitar. Well, I think just any time you work hard for something and then you get it, that's just satisfying yeah and i noticed watching two today he still has that guitar 
Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, the third scene I have, or no, the fourth scene I have is the uh, Alice Cooper backstage meeting. Yeah. That just it, first time I seen it totally caught me off guard. Alice Cooper just dropping some knowledge on him. Yeah, I guess I guess he uh, thought he was coming in just to do, like do the music video and then like one line. Mm-hmm. And they gave him a whole dialogue thing that he had to memorize that day, and he did. I think to this day, my brother and I. My brother's not a big movie fan, but Wayne's World is one of the few movies he really likes. And I think to this day, him and I still refer to like any sports team from Milwaukee. Which I think they just have the brew. Yeah, they have the Brewers and the uh, Bucks, and congratulations to uh, Milwaukee for an NBA championship. But we always call Milwaukee Millie Walkie. <laughs> nice. Yeah, um, I remember uh, I went to a Cincinnati Reds game and they were playing the Brewers, and my brother's like, "So how was the game against Millie Walkie?" Just randomly, I'm like, "Fuck, we still got it." Yep. See that this movie is just so quotable. Mm-hmm. Um. And then uh, did you know, too, that uh, they did the We're Not Worthy bit for like five or six minutes? Really? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's yeah. Uh, the last one I have is the ending where they, they do the multiple endings. You get the bad ending where Cassandra doesn't get the record contract. And then they do the Scooby-Doo ending where uh, Rob Lowe's actually like some creepy old man. They pull the mask off. Yeah. <laughs> and then they do the happy ending where... Of course, it's the typical movie ending where everything gets the nice little bow at the end. Cassandra gets the contract. Wayne's the hero. So I kind of like the that. The way it should be. Yeah. Um, I think, at least for me, I think I know who wins this, but uh, do you have any other nominees before we announce the winner? Yeah. Um, I also uh, I have, ga- when they're at Gasworks, the uh, Ooh, Dreamweaver. I love that part. Cause I, <laughs> I still reference that today. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the music video when Wayne tries to win Cassandra back and he pulls the film out of that that one camera and it just slowly unwinds. Yeah, it just keeps unspooling. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's hilarious. Um, when they go and like, uh, they go to attempt to steal their equipment back, and uh, what is that guy's name? Uh, he's Rob Lowe's assistant. Oh, in this movie. his his name is Russell. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that part cracks me up. I love you, man. I know. I love you. Just say thank you. You know that guy. His name's Kurt Fuller, and I always re- uh, recognize him as like the really like he's the villain in that Hulk Hogan movie, No Holds Barred. Oh wow! Yeah. You know, I've actually seen that movie. I think that isn't that the the reason that UFC uses an octagon too. I don't think it's because of a <clears throat> a random Hulk Hogan movie, but you could be you could be right. I never bothered to look that up. Hmm. Um, and then, oh yeah, that's that's all I have because I also have the final scene when the house burns down and they do the the redo. Mm-hmm. Um, who wins this one? Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, I was gonna say it has to be the car scene. Simply for how like it's still like still an iconic scene even to this day. You know, I don't know that I would ever have heard Queen if it weren't for that. Uh, that's a lot of people. Like, uh, my brother bought the Wayne's World soundtrack on cassette tape. I know, showing my age, simply for that song. 
He didn't Shit. buy it for anything else. He just listened to that song on repeat. Nothing wrong with that. And Actually, it's funny. Th- I, sorry, I, I lied to you. I had heard Queen because um, I grew up living in a bar. My house was connected to it. Mm-hmm. Fat Bottom Girls was a song by Queen that I heard more than any other. <laughs> well, I guess that's a good one. I always remember it as my brother trying to sing it and him butchering the lyrics. <laughs> didn't he? Uh, didn't he also say "Cannonball" for Panama? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he always thought that said "Cannonball." <laughs> I doubt he listens to me, but he's going to say, "Hey, you're talking about me on your show." Like, yeah, damn straight, I was. <laughs> so, um, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody in the car wins it. Yep, that's that's got to be the winner, without a doubt. Um. So that will take us into the King Kong I Got Shit On Me Award for the best line of the movie. King Kong ain't got shit on me! Uh, I have some nominees. There's a ton. There was so much to go through. I didn't. I had trouble picking five. But we'll see. I think I, think I have six or seven written down. I don't know. Okay. I'm sure you and I probably have at least one or two of the same. I'm sure, yeah. Um, I have uh, It Will Be Mine. Oh, yes, It Will Be Mine. And then he also changes it up to she will be mine. Oh, yes. She will be mine. Mm-hmm. Yep, I have that one as well. Um, I have we're not worthy because I think mm-hmm. me and my buddies got a whole like summer out of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have. Uh, yes, Pete. It is. Actually, it's pronounced Melia Walk A, which is Algonquin for the good land. Alice Cooper bringing the facts. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, Phil, if you're going to spew, spew into this, which I have an interesting uh, question about, Phil. Is he drunk or is he strung out? You know, I mean, I think know, he's supposed to be drunk because, like, you see him, like, he looks like he's throwing up and his eyes kind of get cross-eyed, but he seriously looks strung out because his eyes seem to be a little, like, blackened. And then, yeah, like, I don't know. See, I, I thought drunk just because of the spew part, you know, when you're, when you're so drunk, you yeah. throw up. But you bring up an interesting point because he does look strung out. Yeah, I mean, he, like, he either, like, can't handle his liquor, he's strung out, or that dude, when he gets off, it's 5 o'clock, 5.01's Miller time, and he just fucking goes for it. Well, I thought it was hilarious when they were in the shop, and he's like, man, were you at Gasworks on Friday? Like... Wayne's like, we picked you up. We were there. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like he's he's a functioning addict or drunk. I don't know. Uh, it's, interesting. it's an interesting uh, question. Uh, the last I one so. I have is uh, from Garth. If Benjamin were an ice cream, he'd be pralines and dick. <laughs> oh, man. So, so many funny lines in this movie. Um. I have one that you and I both use still. Uh, if she were president, she'd be Abraham Lincoln. Yep, we still use that one all the time. Um, excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, one, one? that one's probably... That's a strong contender. Um, I forgot about this line, but I remembered it as I was watching. That bass player is a babe. She makes me feel kind of funny, like when we used to climb the rope in gym class. <laughs> yeah garth that was that fucking was hilarious and then uh when the suck cut is on his head at the beginning it's sucking my will to live 
<laughs> I thought that was hilarious too. Did they actually make that as a like a device? I swear that's a fucking real thing. I hope not, because God, can you imagine having your fucking hair pulled out by that thing? That sounds awful. Mm. So yeah, I, you know, some of my lines are. I don't think they're gonna win necessarily, but I think that they like since we use them so much, I had to throw them in there. Yeah, uh, we also left out a car. Game on. Oh yeah, game on. Yeah, uh, we both. Managed to leave off uh, Party On. Yeah. Which I think that should probably be the winner. I can't believe neither one of us mentioned it. I was expecting you to. Yeah, you know, that's probably one of the most memorized lines from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we really shit the bed in this movie, one. They think of that. Yeah. <laughs> we're a bunch of amateurs. Yeah, we're shit in the bed on this episode tonight. Let's be real. But hey, you know what, though? This is for me and you. That's right. So we're not shitting the bed. We're having a great fucking time. That's right. Uh, so is it going to be party on then? Is that the winner? Yeah. 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 Neither one of our nominees win. I think that's a first for this show. That's pretty cool, though. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's pretty cool, you know, that there's one that just kind of popped up in our head just because there's so many from this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that was the problem is just the fact that there are so many that you could choose from that. It was hard to narrow it down to five. Yeah. Um, actually, I thought about putting the uh, Eric Stoltz award in here for uh, who mm-hmm. you'd recast, but I couldn't really think of anybody to recast. Uh, I have one. Oh, well, go right ahead. Uh, Brian Doyle Murray, who is the uh, arcade owner. Come um, bust a move where re- the games are hip. It's yeah. dope. It's fresh. See, it's I- Noah's Arcade. I... I don't buy that some old dude like that would know anything about owning an arcade. Mm-hmm. So I would just replace him with somebody slightly younger. That would it would make a little bit more sense to me. Mm-hmm. But that's just nitpicking, really. Uh, do you have anybody in mind? But I think that's part of what makes that character kind of work, though, is the fact that. He owns an arcade, but he's old, and you can clearly tell he's out of touch with his consumers. It's just the fact that, like, video games, arcades are big during this time frame, so obviously he's going to make a ton of money. Uh, I don't have anybody, no. I'm, I'm not good at replacing actors with actors. Um, because so, I'm not an actor, and I don't know shit about acting. <laughs> well, didn't you do that one-man Hamlet at the park a few years ago? <laughs> God, could you imagine that? I'd have, there'd be one person there. I think you refer to that as your... Well, I'd probably stop by and check it out for a little bit, and then I'd just tell my wife, like, this is getting kind of boring. Let's go. <laughs> we use the kids like as an excuse. Anyway. Didn't you call it your six-hour Magnus Opus? <laughs> I should have. Yeah. Um, okay, but so you don't have anybody that you would recast in that Brian Doyle Murray role? No. I'm trying to think who would be that might be somebody that you could probably get like from TV, maybe. Yeah. If they wanted to go big though, like I could totally see someone like Dan Aykroyd doing it, just the kind of that Saturday Night Live connection. But he ends up doing that a couple sorry. He does that a couple years later in Tommy Boy though, so Yeah. 
I was gonna say he has the voice, the voice for it. Like Dan Aykroyd has that voice that you just instantly recognize that it's him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or like maybe, maybe someone from like SCTV. Like I, you probably don't remember the TV show. And I'm probably like, I doubt most of the people listen to this even know what I'm talking about. But Second City had a television show that had like uh, Eugene Levy and John Candy, Rick Moranis came out of it. Oh, wow. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess that's an interesting choice. I could maybe see them, rec- like, somebody else playing that, but I had no problems with who they got. Well, I, I was just nitpicking, really. Yeah. But out of the major people, I, I can't really see recasting anybody with that. No, I like, I, I was pretty happy with everybody else, especially mm. Rob Lowe, because I'm pretty sure this, like, revived his career after that sex scandal it did uh he was kind of like a teen heartthrob it the it guy and then like he got uh, i think it was a sex tape if i'm not mistaken and it kind of killed his career for a little while then he came back i think he met mike myers on the set of saturday night live he was hosting and then that's how he eventually got the wayne's world gig and then yeah, it saved his career. I mean, he was never really a leading man after that. But, I mean, fuck, he's actually really funny. He had that huge run in Parks and Rec for, what, I think he was in there all but, like, the first season. Oh, gosh. Yeah, he is hilarious in that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's really nobody I would I would choose. But, yeah, Rob Lowe, great pick. Um, the uh, Lou Brown, give him the Heater Award for the best performance by a bit player. Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. I'll let you lead off with your nominees before I get into mine. Who do you got? Um, I've got, I don't know if it's Laura or Lara Flynn Boyle. Oh, Laura, Laura Flynn Boyle, yeah. As Stacy, because she looks like a totally crazy, clingy girlfriend. Um, you've dated Alice a couple of those, haven't you? I have. I have. I married one, too. Crazy bitch. <laughs> um, Alice Cooper. Um, as himself, because mm-hmm. I think he's hilarious as himself, and Ed O'Neill as Glenn, because he's on the screen for like what three minutes, and I don't even think he's in there for three minutes. He's not in there long at all. Yeah, it's like okay, maybe a minute, maybe thirty seconds. I don't know, but it's like it's it's hilarious. And this is when he was in Married with Children too. So yeah, I mean, like you big, knew who he was. Big deal. Yeah. Um. I had two of your three nominees. Uh, I had Ed O'Neill as Glenn, and I had Alice Cooper, and then I also had Chris Farley. Because that little, that little scene that he's in, I love that. And, like, I used to do that from time to time where if somebody was asking me where something was at, I would point in the general direction, and I would just slightly move my hand the other way <laughs> and throw them <laughs> off. <laughs> uh, for uh, so me, it looks like a battle between Alice Cooper and Ed O'Neill. Then. I got to give it to Ed O'Neill because I think – Everybody has run into that guy at some point at like a restaurant or something. Just the guy that has pretty much lost his will to live. And he's just kind of functioning through life. And he just hates everything. He's had like a shitty go of it. And he lets everybody know how bad he's had it. Well, you you posed the question to me, like, how the hell is he still out of jail? Yeah, he killed someone. He killed somebody. And he's still (laughs) like, he's managing a Stan Makita's. Maybe they got it dropped to manslaughter. And that's the best job he could get. And he slowly worked his way up because they never really give a time frame when he killed somebody. Right. 
I'm guessing that he did it when he was really young. So, that being said, it, say he gets a manslaughter charge, he's 18 when he does it, he gets 25 years, he should be out of prison by this time frame. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, I had three questions in this movie. I'm trying to figure out, like, one, how did they get from, or ha- how's Glenn not in prison? Um, I also couldn't figure out why, uh, how Wayne and Garth got from Milwaukee to Chicago or back to Aurora so fast to do the show. Because Milwaukee to Chicago is like an hour and 40 minutes, I think. Hmm. And I think Wayne's World's like an 11.30 show. Yeah. And most concerts usually end at like 11. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Plus so, they went backstage. Mm-hmm. And they hung out with Alice Cooper for a while. So less like Alice Cooper was doing a fucking matinee, which I don't know if that was a thing. How did that happen? <laughs> the Alice Cooper matinee in Milwaukee. And I also have one other question, and I know you wanted to bring her up, but Wayne is not exactly like somebody I would call strikingly handsome. Right. But he has Laura Flynn Boyle, like, obsessing over him. Laura Flynn Boyle, very attractive. And then he has Tia Carrere, who... Who who is Abraham Lincoln. Correct. Which uh, the the early part of 92 was very instrumental in my formative years between uh, seeing Tia Carrere on stage and then Sharon Stone and Basic Instinct. I'll let you guys fill in the blanks. Probably don't want to, but, um, but yeah, like I don't get how he has it like that. He, I don't know if it's just his charisma or what, but like he's kind of got that Sandler thing in Sandler movies. Like Sandler for a while had this thing where like his wife in the movies got progressively better looking each movie he made. I don't know. I may, well, you know, some musicians are like uglier and dog shit. So maybe it's it's that effect. True, but he's also like not he's local famous. He's not like big time famous. Maybe these ladies thought that's the best they could get. That could be. I don't know. It's just public it's access, dude. Or maybe he's just got a horse cock. That could be too. <laughs> maybe I don't know. I just I've always wondered that. Okay, well, let's get away from that, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's get away from horse cocks. Yeah. All right, the last category of the night uh, is the uh, the newly minted I'm King of the World Award. I'm King of the World! For who wins the movie. Uh, who do you have? Um, I actually have a couple. I have you and I. We win this movie. Oh, really? Because, because of all the quotes. So we get to win because this movie formulated like half of our sentences that we say to each other yeah we still are stuck in 1992 but um it's definitely mike myers and dana carvey to me yeah i i have them winning it too uh why do you have them uh well for all the reasons we mentioned with mike myers uh you know his career really lifted off after this um and dana carvey we all have that awkward friend who always throws in the jokes and, and stuff that we always have around. Uh, kind of like how you bring me along to your podcast 
and I try to be funny, and I'm a little awkward and weird. How so do you I know see it's a lot of Mike Myers and Dana Carvey in us? How do you know it's not the other way around? I like, just know. You bring me onto your show, and then I try to intersect with like, like funny lines that just don't work. Well, because you've never said cunt hair as an official uh, form of measurement like I have. Uh, is that like, is that measurement in like Canada? I don't, I, I, you know, I've heard Australians say it. Okay. So it's possibly an Australian measurement. Okay. Well, hey, if we have any uh, Australians that listen to the show, which we really, which we know we've had people listen in Australia, uh, go ahead and shoot us an email or something on our socials. Let us know. How long is a cunt hair? Or maybe I'll just have Adam cut this out. They'll never know. (laughs) Or that. Um, I have Dana Carvey and uh, Mike Myers winning it too. Um, Like for me personally, I think they kind of soften the stereotype of like like rock fans and metalheads. We've kind of got a stigma that we're like dirt bags and we're like all about violence and killing and it's not really like that at all. Like anybody just listens to heavy metal, it's just like we're a, a tight knit community that we really look out for one another, and it kind of, to me, anyways, it changed that perception somewhat. And then, uh, also, like they kind of were able to take two of the most iconic. Well, it, Wayne's World's probably one of the most iconic Saturday Night Live skits. They turned it into a successful movie, which, as I said earlier. It's not been an easy task. Like I, to me, they've only made two, well, three if you count Wayne's World two. Three out of ten successful Saturday Night Live movies at work, at least in my opinion. Well, I, I'll go with four because I like Conan's. Okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever you say. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I would just give it to them for that. It's a shame though that like Mike Myers career took off and he got even bigger and then Dana Carvey never really got off the ground. Yeah, it's it's kind of strange, isn't it? Well, I mean, like, considering that at the time of Wayne's World when Mike Myers joined, uh, Dana Carvey was probably the biggest star on that show because he had the church lady, he had uh, his impression of George, George Bush, George Sr. I forget his mm-hmm. initials. I get him confused anymore. But yeah, he H-W. was a big H. Thank you. Uh, he was a like the biggest star on the show at that time, and it's kind of like they're like they almost like once the movie came out, they kind of switched roles. And I think Dana Carvey got stuck in the sidekick role after that. Mm, yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. Like when this show finally goes big, you're they're, they're going to force you to get a new co-host because you can't have that shitbag Lucas on there with you. <laughs> but you don't have to worry about that. We're not going to get big. <laughs> Big for us is like, oh, hey, you know, eight people listen to you guys now. One can hope. Yeah. All right. Well, Lucas, do you have anything you want to add to this before we uh, end part one? No, I'm just really glad that they made this movie and that you and I quoted the shit out of it constantly Mm -hmm. still. Right. Yeah. uh, It's probably in my top ten favorite comedies of all time. Like I, it's one that whenever I catch it on TV and for me, comedy is kind of subjective. 
like there's comedies that I like and there's very few that I really love. And this is in the love category. Like anytime it's on, I'm like, I'm going to watch at least 10 minutes of it. Yeah. I, I always, I always hope that I catch the uh, Bohemian Rhapsody uh, scene or uh, for me, I, I really like the dream weaver stuff. I think it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Cause I know, I don't know about you, but I've, I, I've been awestruck by a woman and, you know, you feel like you feel like nothing else is going on. You got tunnel vision and mm-hmm. just a beautiful song playing. Yeah. I've been there. Been there many times. But that's going to wrap up part one. Uh, once you get done with this, uh, part two will be ready for you. We're going to upload both of these on Monday. So you get uh, three, two, two and a half hours worth of Wayne's World stuff. So that should be fun. So uh, after this, uh, Wayne's World 2, check us out. So uh, we'll... Talk to you guys in a couple of minutes, I guess. So that's going to wrap up part one of our special two-part Wayne Stock special. The second part, Wayne's Rule 2, is going to be popping up on this feed at the same time as the first one. So you'll have both episodes to listen to back-to-back. So be sure to catch part two coming up right now. 